of shit. Yeah, you know how we do. Aw, uh, aw, uh, this is more than you can chew. I made a theme song of creamed with jeans on. I'm the original Don Juan. I made a theme song. I made a theme song. I'm wearing a green thong. I exploded a time bomb. I made a theme song. I made a theme song. I named my cat Dong. Put an egg on my ramen. I made a theme song. I fucking made a theme song. Didn't plan it to be this long. Turns out everything rhymes with song. I made a theme song. I made a theme song. Swallowed my long johns. These lyrics are mad strong. I fucking made a theme song. Pumpernickel nipples, pumpernickel nipples, pumpernickel nipples. Hacienda. Hacienda. Willow bark. Willow. Oh, oh, hey, hey. Oh, okay. Didn't realize I'd hit the button already. Hi, uh, just warming up for the show. Hello. Welcome to the show. Of course, I'm your host, Tiffany Moore. Welcome to More Than You Can Chew. Pumpernickel nipples. All right. Welcome to the show. Um, it is... Uh, it is the spring equinox today. It is the astrological new year. Here we are ramping up for the new moon in Aries tomorrow. And the, the energy is a skyrocketing baby. Um, I did want to start with someone wrote into the show. And you can write into the show. I don't have an official... Uh, email for this podcast, uh, and I really don't want to give out my personal email, but you can write to the time bomb etiquette at gmail.com. And <coughs> sorry, if you look at the show list, wherever you get your podcast on this podcast, there is an episode called The Time Bomb Etiquette from pretty recently, maybe like five or six episodes ago. So that's how you spell it um, at gmail.com. So I had someone write into the show, longtime listener, and they had been listening to the episode, I can't, maybe it was like a couple episodes ago where I was talking about sensual workouts. And they said, Anyone who is doing, like, just, just so you're aware, anyone who's doing um, a two-hour workout to the same song on repeat, no matter what the song is, like, whether it's a slow song, fast song, whatever, that's straight-up serial killer shit. <laughs> I didn't really put it together at the time, but in hindsight, yes, hindsight is always twenty twenty. And in hindsight, yes, I can totally understand and appreciate how that is indeed some serial killer shit. And um, they also said, I believe it was the last episode, I was talking about uh, the things I find 
attractive in in um what I'm looking for in relationships now and uh, they said so going down your list you're looking for non-threatening men who are super comfortable in their sexuality and not um offended by anyone else expressing their personality through how they dress and you are attracted to men in dresses and they're like here's the thought maybe you're queer and it's not like I've never, I, I've always identified as bisexual. I, I've, I've had sex with women. I've done, I've, I've, I'm always very attracted to women. I've just never like seriously tried dating a woman. But I would like to say that that's something I'm open to. Um, if I, I feel like. How do I say this? Um, I guess the chase isn't as fun for me because it's it's very easy for me to. Uh, <laughs> how do I say this without sounding like a manipulative bitch? I mean, it's just very easy for me to attract women. It's it's women are in my experience. And I mean, this would be out, you know, with a couple of drinks and having a good time with a group of people. But like, for the most part, I, I'm gonna do anything I can to go out of my way to show that I'm not a threat. I used to be like, I every whim, like women go through these periods, like mine was in, you know, grade school, like, fourth through sixth grade maybe or third through sixth grade like it was just really important to me to be popular and one of the popular girls and once I got into high school and my high school started in seventh grade um all of that kind of fell by the wayside and I found that I, I didn't really agree with those types of social structures anymore of like being popular and I went completely the opposite direction so it's always been very ingrained in me that like you just have to show that you're not a threat with other women. They have to show that they're like, they just have to see that there's absolutely zero competition. And so when I meet women or when I'm out with women that I really don't know that well, it's all about just like dropping into the goofiest, silliest character I can possibly be just to make them laugh and show them like, I'm not gonna compete with you. This is not a fucking competition. I have no desire to compete with you. I have enough confidence to be like, to know that I could have anyone in the room that I wanted, but I'm also just being such a like goofy, dumbass asshole that you're never gonna think like I'm a threat or any of that stuff. So as soon as you can like let those walls down with women and go out of your way and just have so much fun and try to like loosen them up and try to like compliment them and show them, you know, like just this free wild spirit that you have. Women are so attracted to that usually. Just anyone who, any other woman who can like let their guard down like that and just not give a fuck about what they look like. In my experience, women are extremely attracted to that and they'll try to make out with me. So like there's, I love women, 
I love um, getting to that point, but it's it's kind of, like it's not really a challenge for me. Whereas <clears throat> uh, men, I don't really understand to that kind of degree. Like I really do think, for the most part, men are pretty fucking simple creatures. Like they're gonna make it very obvious if they're into you, and if they're not, they're just. They're not going to put, like, any kind of effort into it. So, there is more of a challenge with men because I'm not, like... I'm not stereotypically... Uh, I don't know. I've, I've heard differently, but, like, in my head, I'm not stereotypically, like, a hot chick. For me, it's, like, my personality that, and my confidence that is attracting people just my blind confidence of like, uh, like I said, I've just been faking it for so long that it's, it's, it sticks now. But, um, yeah. So I would definitely be open to going on a date with a woman and like pursuing that, uh, now at this point in my life, I'm really open to anything at this point. But uh, like I said, like, I'm just really looking for something different. So, I don't know, I've never, like, pursued a quote-unquote relationship with a woman, but, like I said, I've always been attracted. I've done, you know, a lot of sexual things with women, so. Okay, so, <laughs> not, like, in any way coming out of the closet here. Like, I've always been considered myself bi. But, yeah, if there's a woman out there who's been, like, dying to ask me out, okay, well, let's fucking do it. All right, so. This week, I don't know, I felt like, I feel like some doors have been opening for me in a weird way. Like, I was trying to think, I, I, I just had a few experiences where I wasn't really, like I, I had felt for a long time, like I've been really closed off to any kind of relationship or really like any, anything, just so I can like get my shit figured out. And this past week at work, um, I felt like I was having a lot of interactions with men that were making me think about some things differently and one of those was I picked this guy up from the airport hotel and it was like midday rush hour traffic in Pittsburgh so the place he was going it was going to take like an hour to get there and immediately you're just looking at like okay what's their rating on the app how long have they been like a customer? Because if you're in an hour car ride with somebody, they better have like legit five stars. <laughs> I mean, like, cause you don't know what you're getting into. And if you're spending an hour in the car with this person, like they better have a really good rating. So he had a five star rating and he had like over a thousand rides. So I knew it was legit. So I pick him up <clears throat> and Right off the bat, he's telling me, like, this is pretty common 
where you'll pick people up and they'll just tell you about like the worst rideshare experiences that they had because people are always like, aren't you freaked out being a woman, you know, in this business? Like, and all the, I've heard about like all the creepy dudes and I'm like, all of like, I used to back in the day, like when I, back in the day, like nine months ago, when I first started doing it, yeah, it was like not the most comfortable, like you're out of your comfort zone 24 seven. Like it's not, you're never like, I know exactly what to expect from the public. Like you never know what you're gonna get. So I'm always just like, I was creeped out at first, but in my experience, like it's always horror stories about the drivers. Like you never, I, I, I've never gotten to a point where there's been a couple rides I've felt uncomfortable, but not like I ever felt like I, I couldn't read the situation or I couldn't like read this person and how they were going to like, you just, you get to a point where, you know, I've given almost like, I don't know how many, let me see. Okay. So I've given over like 2000 rides at this point. And I would say of those 2000 rides, maybe I felt uncomfortable four times out of those 2000 rides, like maybe four rides that I can think of where I felt like kind of uncomfortable with something. And which is pretty good, I think, dealing with like the mass public. And so I'm just constantly having people tell me about like the crazy fucking drivers that they have. So that's how the conversation starts. He's just kind of telling me about like these weird rides that he's had since he's been in Pittsburgh. And when I tell you the entire hour ride felt like five minutes, it was such good conversation. It was such good banter. He was cute. He was like really tall, thin, and dorky so like boom non-threatening right off the bat because he was kind of dorky and but we were both talking about like our dreams and all these places we wanted to go and he was telling me about these places he had he had visited and like we were just like really getting into this amazing conversation and like it was fun and it was light and it was funny. And we got to the place where he was getting dropped off and it was just kind of like, I could like, there was just this moment where we both kind of hesitated before he got out of the car. And I like put my hand up to wave goodbye to him in the back seat. And he just like gave me a high five and it was kind of like dorky, but cute. And he got out and it was just kind of like, but there was like that hesitation there where it was like, what well, do we, should we like ask for each other's numbers? Cause I've been like so out of the game and I just don't want to like start anything really. So it was just like, well, what do, what do we do in this situation? Because now it's to the point where like, I feel like the guy I'm going to be into isn't going to ask me out through a rideshare service. You know what I mean? Because we've gotten to this point now. 
fucking women, we've gotten to this point where it's like sexual harassment if a guy asks you out, you know? And it's just like a lot of guys, you're gonna get like, it's at a point now where it's just like you can't hit on the driver, like, and if you do, you, you have the possibility of like getting a lower score, you know what I mean? So it's like a guy who's aware of these kind of things probably isn't going to ask me out because they could think that they're misreading my energy for just being like nice and if they ask me out I could possibly give them a bad score and maybe like even report them you know what I mean so great job to us progressive women for getting to this point where a guy can't even ask us out <laughs> no just kidding but um so I know that I'm gonna be the one who has to make the move if I ever want to basically go on a date with like a decent guy again. So it's always like after they get out of the car too. It's always after they get out of the car that I'm like, shit, I kind of like, I was kind of like digging that guy and I don't want the conversation to end. So I dropped him off and I actually ended up circling back. I, I think I drove like, I drove for like 10 minutes maybe. And I was like, you know, he was gonna be my last ride of the night anyway, like I'm good. I don't really need to work anymore. It was like probably like seven o'clock at night and I dropped him off and I think he said it was like his last night in town. He was in town for work. So the more I'm thinking about this, the more this is kind of like my ideal situation of getting back in the saddle, shall we say because I don't know this guy at all. There would be like no pressure about any kind of commitment. He's here for like one more night, like a few hours. And I really wanted to just see if like, do you want some company to hang out with tonight? And I could take you back to the airport hotel when we're done and like maybe have a heavy makeout session. There would be no pressure to have sex. We don't know each other. Like this would be the only night that we're together. So like sex could or could not be on the table, but there would definitely be absolutely zero pressure. And like, it could just be a makeout. But then, so I go back and I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna end the night and like, see if I can like <laughs> track this guy down very creepy in my mind now looking back like what if I had found him and like like would that be creepy I don't know from a guy's perspective would that be creepy like if you had this killer conversation with your rideshare driver and they came back <laughs> like 20 minutes later and was trying to find you and hunt you down was just like hey do you want to is that creepy I don't know it, it felt romantic in my head so I tend to uh misconstrued romantic and creepy all the time but then like when I went back looking for him I couldn't find him and I was just like starting to go through all this stuff in my mind and I was just like okay well at this point in time it's been a year since I've had sex or like anything any kind of like relationship or anything all of my body hair has grown out like I've allowed all of my body hair to grow out. And I think it's so fucking cute. Like, 
It used to annoy the shit out of me if I would get the littlest bit of stubble in my armpits. And now it's just like this free flowing hair. It's so adorable. To, I don't know. I think it's the cutest fucking thing. I think armpit hair, I don't know. It just, it looks so cute on me. So I don't want to get rid of it. I don't want to get rid of my bush because like, I just went through the worst ingrown hairs of my entire life every time I shave my pussy. I, it didn't matter. I had a brand new razor. I had this special, super expensive fucking shaving cream, gel, lotion stuff. I was super careful, but every fucking time I shaved my pussy, I would get this ingrown hair right by my asshole. And it was the most painful fucking thing. And no matter what I did, it was just like every time this fucking ingrown hair would show up and it would last for like a week until I shaved and it was just the most painful thing. I can't, I literally can't imagine shaving my pussy again. I really, really, really can't. And even like to trim it, it's so cute. It's not like crazy, you know, like bush pussy. Like you have to like wander through a forest. Like it's just really fucking cute and I like it, but I would probably shave my leg hair because I have really masculine looking legs to begin with and I just don't really like the way the leg hair looks on my legs, but it's fucking kept me warm this winter so I'm not shaving it. But these are things you think about now as you uh, haven't had to think about these things in so long and then this opportunity comes up where it's like, this could be the opportunity to just have a single night of no pressure and just have fun with a guy and maybe have like a makeout session and some heavy petting afterwards. So these are the things I'm thinking about when I'm coming back around to look for this guy. It's just like, is he gonna like be terrified when he puts my hand, his hand down my pants and feels like a little kitten? You know what I mean? And it's just like, is pussy hair vintage now? I don't know. These are questions that are now going through my mind of like, would it terrify a young man to <laughs> feel hair on my vagina? Because it is like <laughs> so non-existent at this point. But I think pussy hair is vintage. Is pussy hair vintage? I think it is. I'm into it either way. Either way, I'm not shaving it. I love the way my pits look. I'm not shaving that. So these are the things running through my mind. And I was just like, okay, well, I'm just like, I'm not going to find this guy anyway. But if I had, are these things like I'm willing to, am I willing to go back to that fucking ingrown hair on my taint all the time just for like the possibility of sex? Absolutely not. That was the question that kept, no, like, no, absolutely not. That's the answer. Um, anyone who has the opportunity to fuck me is easily going to, uh, move to move any kind of hair to the side to get to what they need. That was very obvious to me. Like, why am I even overthinking this? So <clears throat> that was one experience. And then I picked up this other guy and it was like, I think it was like Friday night. And 
it was him and his brother. His brother sat in the back and he sat up front, which is always, God. <laughs> Sorry, I'm drinking kombucha and it's like burping this shit up. Um, so yeah, so it's always such a flex when someone sits up front with you, if there's not like, cause usually someone only sits in the front seat if there's like too many people, you know, like, and they can't all fit in the back someone will sit up front but it's such a flex when it's just like one person or just two people and someone sits up front it's just like oh shit like it changes the whole dynamic of the ride and it feels very intimate maybe that's just because i haven't had sex in so long <laughs> but it feels very intimate when someone sits up front and so he's talking to me and he's just telling me like all of this stuff he's going through right now basically and he said he was 26 and he has the deepest voice. I mean, like, what, what is that? I don't understand. Like there was this guy I was talking to on Tinder for a while. It was the guy, it was that guy that like, we, we didn't talk about sex. There was nothing sexual in our conversation, but we were having like a really good talk every single day and checking in with each other. And I sent him a voice memo one time when I was working just to say I couldn't work. And I was like, hey, send me a voice memo so I could hear your voice. And looking at his profile picture, he just looks so manly and like mask. Like, I don't know. He just looked like very like gruff and like outdoorsy. And so I always envisioned him with this really deep voice. And when he left me the voice memo, it was like really a high squeaky voice. And I was just immediately turned off and I just knew like, this isn't gonna, like, you just sound like a gamer dude, like bitching about, like, I just couldn't, like, I just, it was such a turn off that I, I really could not even get back up to this level of like being attracted to him because his voice was so different. And I even gave it a few days. I was just like, okay, well, like, I'll, I'll become accustomed to it. No, I just never got accustomed to it. So his voice was so, I don't know what it is for me, but I love men with really, really, really deep voices. And he had this crazy deep voice and he's telling me about like all of this stuff he's going through. And <clears throat> it was just like, this really intimate conversation too about like how he was stressed about work and he didn't really know, like he was really looking for like uh, some motherly advice, I think, this, this sweet 26 year old boy. But it was probably like a 20 minute car ride and when I went to drop him off, he, he looked at me so intensely and he got really close to my face and he was just like, this has been such a good conversation. I'm really glad that we were able to talk. And I'm just like, he's so close to me. And like, is this 26 year old kid about to like fucking make out with me? Like it was so intense. He was just looking past my eyes, right into my soul. And I was just like, holy shit, like I'm about to. And he was just like, it really means a lot to me that I could open up. I'm just like, oh my God, what the fuck is going on? And then he just got out of the car. And I was like, is this, is this what like 20 something year old men are? They're just like super fucking intense and, 
and like he had his shit together like he was a project manager and just talking about like all of this crazy like stuff that was happening at work that he was dealing with as a 26 year old and I was just like the fucking youth of today oh my god but um I, I was just really like into that I was just really into that I don't I don't know how to explain it he just left me with like Jesus fucking Christ and and then I had like these other like 23 year old kids get in the car and there's like three of them and they're all talking about like how they asked me they're just like what what made you move to Pittsburgh and I was just like oh I moved to Pittsburgh for love and they were like oh love isn't real we think we don't think love is real and I was just like okay and they were like we think people just confuse love with comfortability and I kind of laughed it off at the time and I was like no no like when you love someone you'll know it like it's a and I, try, I was trying to think of like how to explain love to some young 20 something year old guys who've never experienced it and it's just like well you just kind of like find things you want to agree on with someone or like find ways to be more compatible or you let your walls down a little bit more and you find yourself doing things for this person that you would never do for anybody else and you you see like you'll compromise a lot more than you ever would and I was just like this is starting to sound a lot like just comfortability <laughs> like things you do because you want to be more comfortable in a relationship and it started to fuck with me and I was like I, I know love is a real thing <laughs> like I've experienced love I know that love is a real thing but really trying to communicate it was really difficult without it sounding like you're just trying to make a relationship more comfortable with someone so like everybody can be happy yeah it was fucking weird um but then, this is just going to be like all about dudes I've been attracted to this week because it just hasn't happened in a while. Um, so then, I think it was like Saturday night. Uh, I was driving these people to the John Mayer concert. And it was two women in the back and a guy up front with me because he was super tall and he couldn't fit in the back. And I was taking them to the John Mayer concert. They, were, they said they were from like Columbus, Ohio. They were all like hammered and having an awesome time. And the guy who sat up front, I can only describe as, he looked exactly like Jonah Ray. And if you don't know who Jonah Ray is, he was the new like mystery science 3000 guy. He does, um, he hosted like a comedy show with Kumail Nanjiani and he was on like the Nerdist podcast back in the day. So if you find a picture of Jonah Ray now with a mustache, that's exactly what this guy looked like. He was super tall, super skinny, not, not like super skinny, but he had this thick, thick bristly like Ron Swanson mustache and he looked exactly like Jonah Ray and I decided right then and there that's my type like 
I, I've never been able to pinpoint my type before or any kind of specific type I had, except, you know, usually I like really dark features and like tall, of course, like all women. But <laughs> um, this was the specific, I've never like, it's just the exact, it, it, I'm sure everybody has somebody in their mind, whether it's someone famous or just someone you know in your regular life where it's like if I could just have like a one night stand with someone and they even if they were like kind of an asshole I would still like completely hook up with them and this type this type that this dude was was it like I was literally five seconds away from asking him if he wanted to ditch the concert and like just come around me all night because I, I didn't realize it before, but this is the one type and I was trying to pinpoint why exactly I'm so into like that really thick mustache, that thick like straight mustache. Oh my God. I don't know. <laughs> There's just something about this thick mustache and I think Jonah Ray is hot, super fucking hot. And so it was just like, it was like, even if he was kind of an asshole and you, you just like, I, I just felt like a very aggressive kind of energy from him. Like he just needed a release and I wanted to, to be that release for him. This was the first time I had really, really, really thought about like a one night stand in a long time because... Like, I just don't even really want to go there with somebody, but this would be the one type that I would, like, throw everything to the wind and just be like, it's fucking happening, let's go. Even if you're treating me a little bit like shit, even if you're kind of an asshole, I'm still gonna fuck you. And I'm sure everybody has somebody out there, Channing Tatum, whoever the fuck, you know, uh, Jessica Alba, whatever, everybody has somebody who was just like, even if they were kind of an asshole to me, I would still like completely take up a one night stand with this person and that's my type. And I was trying to like pinpoint why the mustache is, is what like does these things to my body. And the only thing I could think of was when I was babysitting, I started babysitting at a very young age, like 11, I was babysitting. <laughs> Things were different back then. I don't know what else to say, but like I started babysitting at 11 um, for this couple that lived close by to my childhood home. And I mean, when I say babysit, it was like I would play a couple games with their kids and put them to bed at like 7.30 p.m. and raid the kitchen, eat all of their snacks and <sighs> try on all of the woman's push-up bras. And I remember the first time I found their wall of porn. I mean, wall of porn. I was down in the basement <clears throat> or like the rec room. I don't know what you call it. It's like a downstairs like area where you watch TV. And there was like this wall hanging, this fabric wall hanging on this, on this part of the wall. And one time I was just like kind of curious, like is something behind there? And I just walked over and casually lifted up the edge of the fabric. 
and there were just tapes on tapes on tapes of porn. It was it was more porn than I could possibly fathom. These were the days before the internet, people. I was 11 years old, so this would have been like 1993, 19, like early 90s, early to mid 90s. It was a grotesque amount of porn tapes. And I was just like, holy shit. Like my little mind could not even fathom how much porn was here. So of course I start ripping into this shit and I'm putting in tapes and I'm looking at these covers. And this is back when the porn stash was a real thing. And these were very formative years in my young childhood and blossoming into my womanhood. The things that really took me there was wearing these push-up bras that this woman had and eating their child's, their children's snacks and watching these bristly mustached men have sex. And this was like my entryway into sex, into womanhood and really seeing like what it's all about. That's what, that's all I could really pinpoint to why mustaches, mustaches have this power over me that they do. And it can't be like a thin, it can't be like a sparse mustache. It has to be like a thick, bristly, straight mustache. Like it's, it's completely taking over your upper lip. Like there's no hope for anything else to exist on your upper lip except for this massive mustache. And that's the only thing I could think of, of why it has this power over me because that was my foyer. Like that was my introduction to what my sexual awakening was. And I remember I stole one of her uh, push-up bras. It was this red push-up bra and I would stand <laughs> and like as an 11, 12 year old, I was actually very I developed very early. I got my period very early. I had tits very early. And so I could like actually fill this out pretty decently. Um, it wasn't a huge bra or anything, but it was just like, it, it gave my little mounds that I had a complete like facelift. And it was just like, my tits were right under my chin. And I would just stand in front of the light in my bedroom and like try to cast this silhouette onto the wall. And I was just like, oh fuck, yeah. And I would wear that thing everywhere. I would wear it to school and I would just leave like, I would let the shoulder, my shoulder show. I would just kind of have like those shirts that slid off the shoulder a little bit so people could just see my red bra strap and it would just drive guys crazy. And I, <laughs> actually in my senior year of high school. Maybe it was my junior year, I don't remember. But I, I was always known for like not shaving my legs or anything. It was like this huge running joke. I would never shave my legs and like, I would have like this, I would call them my, my female army, like in gym class. All of these women would just like, <laughs> they loved that I didn't shave my legs and they thought it was so fucking funny. And this one time we were out like playing soccer or something outside against the boys. And I was on the red team 
and we had this like box of old smelly jerseys. I don't think these jerseys were ever washed. They were so fucking rancid. And this box of jerseys would like circle around and everybody would grab a jersey. And the box got to me and all of the red jerseys were gone and I was the last one and I was just like, no, no, no. I, I'm like the mascot basically. Like I am the leader of this team. I need, I need to be wearing this red. And I was just like, oh, right. I'm wearing my red push-up bra. So immediately I start unclasping the push-up bra and I take it off through the sleeves of my shirt. And I just start like, lassoing it around my head like fuck like I'm just looking at the women in my class just like get fucking ready we're out on this field and the guys across from us are just looking at me like what the fuck is this chick doing I put the bra on outside of my shirt and then we start the red bra rebellion this is how the red bra rebellion got in if you have heard the story on thoughts from the top of a ferris wheel this was the red bra rebellion I got <laughs> <laughs> the women's so excited and of course my gym teacher freaked out and sent me to the principal office but this bra was just like how I was known it was like big red it was it had a name big red like it was just there were so many instances I can remember where this red push-up bra changed my life that I stole from this woman that I would babysit for um but yeah, I think, I really think that has to be where the mustache thing stemmed from because every single porn I saw had that mustache in it. Like it had that huge fucking mustache. It was so beautiful. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I, that's about it. I think that's going to wrap it up. Um, somebody did ask... I wanted to cover this on here. Somebody did ask, um, uh, they've been talking about starting a podcast. They've been thinking about starting a podcast and they just kind of wanted to know what it's like for someone who's, who's had a podcast for, you know, 10 years now that they've off and on been contributing to. <laughs> I think, I think we just recently hit a hundred episodes on here, which is kind of sad. <laughs> to be doing a podcast for 10 years and you just now hit a hundred episodes. But, um, yeah, it's very, 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 but I wanted to talk about my particular process. Um, as an artist, as someone who, who could help fellow, uh, podcasters out there, I know everybody has their own process. Everyone's an artist in their own way and they have their own way of doing things. Um, I have a very, very specific process when it comes to podcasting and um, I'm going to kind of like let you in on a few secrets here of how, how I do it and that is, you know, things will happen through the week that you're just like, Ooh, yeah, yeah, that might be like, that might make a good podcast or like maybe I could make this a theme or maybe I could bring, you know, incorporate this into the podcast and you can kind of like take notes of those ideas or, you know, who knows, you might just turn on the microphone and start talking and, and all those, you know, ideas go out the wayside because you find you, you're in this really good flow with something else. And so, so you talk, you talk into a microphone for as long as that, that lasts. And then, 
you know, you find some editing software and you, you go through and edit the show however you want to. Uh, I don't edit my shows anymore. I used to take out like every single, you know, uh, pause, every single heavy breath. Like I used to meticulously way back in the day, really edit the podcast. Now I don't give a fuck. Like it, it goes out however it goes out. And so then, um, you wrap that all up, you, 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 you post it on your hosting website and it's out to the masses. And then what I do is for, I would say like the following week, sometimes two weeks, sometimes month, sometimes years, um, just depending on what the episode was about, uh, I will find myself cringing and making bodily noises like fucking dork you fucking dork why the fuck would you say that why would you say that on a fucking public for and there's constantly just revulsion repulsion all of the r words um everything in your body gets really tense and you just want to throw yourself against the wall like why the fuck would you say that why the fuck would you ever ever let anyone know these fucking horrifyingly embarrassing things about your life and um and then you repeat that whole process so that's that's my particular process um i really like to reel in the embarrassment for at least a solid week after i put an episode out and, um, and then you just repeat that process. So I, I know everybody kind of, you know, everyone is their own artist. Everyone has their own way of doing things. That's just my particular process. So if you are looking to start a podcast, I would definitely implore you to try it out and, um, use this method if you if you find that works for you. And if not, you know, you find your own method, but this is the process I've found works for me. I really like to reel for a good long while in the cringe and embarrassment of what I am putting out for people to listen to. So I hope that helps. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk to you soon.